Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And we have some stuff to talk about today. Obviously, we have a couple of weeks still remaining until the start of Pittsburgh Penguins training camp, but it is drawing near as the first preseason game is in less than 20 days. 19 days from now, the Penguins have a split squad scrimmage against the Columbus Blue Jackets on September 24th. So it's getting closer. We're about to get a lot of training camp storylines that we have to discuss. But before we get into any of that, we have biggest surprises for the 2023 season we're going to talk about. We have a couple finish that statements that talk about some of the Pittsburgh Penguins for the 2023 season. Then, of course, as everybody knows, a lot of news surrounding the Pittsburgh Penguins broadcast team over the weekend. We'll discuss that as well. But Horwat, before we get into all of that, with hockey season coming up, football season starts in two days. You have a Pirates jersey on. How's the ball game yesterday? Uh, I saw you went to the Pirates game. It was a fun game to go to, actually. Uh, They actually won. (laughs) A, they actually won. B, they actually beat the Brewers, who I believe aren't doing phenomenally this year. I don't know. I looked at the baseball standings uh, last week, looked at the AL East, and went, is this backwards? Am I reading this backwards? Why are the Yankees at the bottom and the... I can't remember who's at the top of that one, but... Orioles? Yeah, and the Orioles are at the top. Is this one backwards? Uh, so baseball's being weird this year, but the Pirates are being their normal selves and not doing great. But I was lucky enough to see a nice little win uh, and a bomb from Key, uh, Key Brian Hayes, which is rare. That Those seem rare these days. At least Twitter thinks they're rare. Um, yeah. And I got this awesome jersey because I don't care. The City Connect jerseys are kind of cool. I get the details are really small on it, but... Eh, they're still it's pretty cool to see and you can't go wrong at least in the pirate uniforms with a lot of yellow yeah i was about to say you you hate all the pittsburgh penguins yellow or gold or whatever you want to you would call it but you you love the pirates ones i don't hate all the yellow there was just something about that uh the third jersey that i didn't like uh it was the fact that there was no triangle behind the penguin logo that's what you hated about it yeah but that was also on the (laughs) Stadium Series jersey from Heinz Field, but I still yeah. liked that one. I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't done correctly. This was done correctly, though. This jersey was done properly. I there think. you go. There you go. Well, let's get into some Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. Let's talk about our biggest surprises of the 2023 season. We're each going to give two players that we think are going to surprise or at least exceed expectations uh, in 2023. Who do you have as your first big surprise of the season? It might be low-hanging fruit. Uh, it might be easy, but I'm going to say Tristan Jari. Um, he's expected to kind of have this, I don't want to say raucous season, but he's supposed to, you know, we, the Penguins and Kyle Dubas, the new GM, put their put their faith in him. Um, I think he's going to live up to the expectations. I think he'll surpass them. I don't have too many details that goes into it. I just think when it comes to surprises, anything, uh, if he just remains healthy, it'll be a surprise to start there. Uh, but I do believe he's still one of those top five goalies in the NHL if he is able to stay healthy and stay on his game. Um, and I think we'll see a bunch of that this year from him. I really do. It's going to be important for him to succeed, and I just think he will, and will exceed expectations and surprise everybody. Yeah, with Tristan Jari, I think a lot of people are just hoping that he stays healthy and then the rest will figure itself out. And at the end of the day, it's kind of what Kyle Dubas mentioned. He said, listen... 
you know, Tristan Jari struggled with injuries this past season, but we're not paying him based off of what has happened. We're paying him based off of what we believe he could be, and he's shown to be potentially a top 10 goaltender in the National Hockey League when it comes to being a workhorse starting goaltender who's played a lot of hockey over the past couple of seasons because of the goaltending issues behind him. Um, Casey DeSmith was fine, but it times Casey DeSmith was just not reliable and you saw that two seasons ago when Tristan Jari played I believe it was over 60 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins so he's a workhorse he's shown that he can be a workhorse the only challenge is making sure that he's able to be healthy and start the season fresh and not have to suffer any really lasting consequences of what happened last season because I think the general consensus and you said it there is if he's healthy he's good so hopefully he stays healthy, and if he does, I think a lot of people who still think of him as just the injury-prone goaltender that can't get his act together, they're obviously going to be surprised by what they see. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it, just a matter of him staying healthy, performing to his game. We all know he's going to get there. We all know he can play at that level. The money makes sense for Tristan Jari. The dollar amount makes sense. We don't know about the years yet, but for what it is worth, his price tag fits his skill level. We know he can be uh, that kind of goaltender. We've seen it before. For a majority of that season, he was in the top five, top ten of most goaltending stats. Uh, this past season, if he had stayed healthy, he probably would have stayed there too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm just excited to see what he can do with the negotiations out of the way. Not He doesn't have to worry about that anymore. It's not like he was, but... Um, it's not going to be at the forefront of everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy to go to. I mean, how much... Sure, Alex Nadelkovich is going to be a decent backup, but how much faith do we have to have in him as a starter? Yeah, it's a gamble. It's a gamble for Nadelkovich just as a backup, let yeah. alone being a 1B or a starter or anything above... Uh, what he was brought in to do, which was just simply to back up Tristan Jari. So it's going to be one of the primary storylines throughout the season, especially when you consider the Pittsburgh Penguins are in a division with some of the best goaltenders in the league. I mean, you got Igor Shosturkin, you got Ilya Sorokin. Uh, even down there in Carolina, they have three steady options in Freddie Anderson, Antti Ranta, Ranta, and Piotr Kachetkov. So it's a really solid division when it comes to goaltending. And the Penguins, they're going to need that from Tristan Jari if they want to compete, if they want to finish in that top three, which I talked about last week, is imperative for them to be able to not just make the postseason, but to be able to make any type of noise in the postseason. So, yeah, Tristan Jari is going to be uh, it's going to be definitely one of the most important threads for the Penguins to pull this off or this se- this season, and hopefully uh, he surprises like you just you said that he would. In your eyes, uh, it, you expect him to surprise. My first one is going to be Brian Rust. Um, this is the one that I've been banging the drum on all summer long. I mean, a lot of people are down on Brian Rust because of last season. I mean, he still scored 20 goals, 46 points, and finished sixth on the Pittsburgh Penguins in scoring. The only problem is he finished sixth among the top six, right? He scored two less points than Jason Zucker, which everybody loved what Jason Zucker did last season. The big difference is Zucker scored 27, Brian Rust scored 20. One underperformed his normal value, which is Brian Rust. He usually scores 25 to, not 30 yet, but 25 to 29. And Jason Zucker hadn't been a 20-goal scorer with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They flip-flopped while mainly staying on the same line. And one was, you know, heralded as Pittsburgh's greatest, you know, 
piece other than their stars, and the other one was considered to be a bust and overpaid. They got paid basically the same amount of money, and they were two points apart. It's really what you go into the season, and it's really the expectations on them. So with the expectations down, it's not going to be hard for Brian Russ to surprise people in 2023. My prediction is that he passes the 30-goal mark for the first time in his career because I think that everything is lining up in a way that allows Brian Russ to have a really successful season and put up a lot of counting stats, a lot of goals, a lot of assists, and really just hone in on the offensive side of the puck. We know he's an all-around player, but I think that everything is lined up. The addition of Riley Smith, the better defensive forwards in the bottom six, everything is lined up to where he's going to have a successful season on the offensive side of the puck, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people how good he actually is this season. He's also well deserving of a thirty-goal season. He had a, he was on pace for uh, the one in twenty twenty, and never that got cut short. He was on, he's been flirting with that number for a little while, and he was more than deserving of it. We know he can get there. We know he can exceed what he did last year. Um, even if he does get dunked to the bottom six, like I keep preaching to do. Uh, I mean, 30 goals sounds like it'd be more points than anyone in our bottom six had last year. So I don't know about points, but certainly more goals. Certainly more goals. Um, but it, I mean, putting that kind of number into the bottom six, if you really genuinely needed to, would be a massive help. And if you want to know, Jeff Carter, 29 points. Yeah, wow. It's, Jesus, nobody in the bottom six even scored 30 points last year. That's crazy. There you go. It's... So that would be a huge boost for that. I mean, that that's thing is though, if you're scoring thirty goals, you're not staying. You're not there. You're not playing on the third line. No, right. I don't think I don't think Brian Russ plays on the third line. Maybe at some point in the season, but I don't think he genuinely gets dumped to the third line at any point this season. I bet maybe he starts there and then improves from there. But that's just me. And these are conversations that we'll have a lot in the next couple of weeks. Training camp is just over two weeks away. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that. Brian Russ is more than deserving of a 30-goal season. He's more than deserving of um, surprising everybody and getting back on the horse we know he can be on. Uh, and I'm ex- you're, and that's a great answer, too. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, we know he's got the contract that shows we believe in him, that shows the Penguins fans are behind him. I'm curious to see where he starts and who he plays with. But if it's alongside Malkin, sure, that'll do him wonders. If it's in the bottom six, maybe that wakes him up a little. Who knows how it all goes? Got a lot to, got a lot of season to play ahead of us. Yeah, it's an important season for Brian Rust. I mean, he is locked up on that contract. He does have that sense of security, but at the same time, after a year that he had last year, he really needs to bounce back uh, and have a successful season in 2023. Specifically because the Penguins need him to. I mean. Yeah, he still scored 20 goals last year, but there were times where you looked at it and said, you know, Brian Russ just, you know, something's off. And you said the same thing about Jake Gensel as well, but Jake Gensel still went out there and put up 36 goals. Uh, so th- so these conversations happen a lot less frequently whenever your counting stats still match the output that you're, is expected of you. So uh, we'll see what Brian Russ is able to do in 2023. Your second candidate to be the biggest surprise for the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2023. I chose more of a fun one. Uh, I mean, we have the obvious answers, but this one I decided to dig and say Drew O'Connor. Obviously, he's going to be that bottom six depth piece, but uh, with the amount of competition that there is heading into training camp for these depth positions, no one's job is safe at the moment. Drew Mm -hmm. O'Connor 
isn't traditionally with the Penguins a guy that you think of, he's going to step up and immediately take his roster spot. I think it'll be a, a surprise if he's on the opening night roster just because there is so much, um, there's a, so much, so many options down there for Mike Sullivan and Cal Dubas to pick from. Uh, I think if Drew O'Connor can exceed past the depth that's going to be there, the uh, Marcus Johansson's, the Vinny Henestrosa's, maybe the Jeff Carter's, the Alex Nylanders, if he's able to push through those guys and be in on the opening night roster, I think that's a surprise in itself. But then I think he'll be an everyday player again. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to surprise in terms of scoring an offense, but he's going to just surprise in being an everyday player again, a consistent piece to this team that uh, does what he can to help them win. Uh, maybe it's not scoring. Maybe it is just defense. Who knows? But I think Drew O'Connor is going to be that fun option of he's going to surprise us in his own little way. Mm-hmm. Drew O'Connor finished last season with 46 games at the NHL level. Do you think he goes over or under 55 this year? 55? I bet he'll go over. If he can stay healthy, I bet he can go over 55. Yeah, I would say that he is the leader in the clubhouse to make the roster as the third-line left wing heading into camp, at least on on my depth chart. But we'll end up seeing what happens in a couple weeks where he ends up being you know, put to start training camp. But I I think that Drew O'Connor... It is lined up to have a season in which you say, okay, this guy is now a full-time NHLer. This is a guy that doesn't need to spend any more time in Wilkes-Barre. This is a guy that's not on the bubble anymore. He's a guy that is a surefire NHL player uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think part of that is that I he's going to get an opportunity to play on not just the fourth line, but to get more of an opportunity to play on an offensive slid third line as well. So I do like that. Uh, I do like Drew O'Connor heading into the season. Uh, I think it's going to be a a pivotal year for him uh, to basically say, can you be a middle six guy instead of just simply a bottom six guy? I think that's an answer or that's a question that gets answered this season. My last surprise of 2023, and hopefully people don't turn off the podcast, Jeff Carter. I think Jeff Carter surprises. Now, again, where's the expectation and what does it take to become a surprise to the Penguins fans in 2023 for Jeff Carter. As long as the Pittsburgh Penguins commit to putting him in a proper role, he was not in the proper role last season. He was forced into being the third-line center when clearly he was no longer up for that challenge, and clearly he wasn't surrounded with the players to be an effective fourth-line center. Let him stay at the wing, and don't put him out there with two minutes to go, right? He's not the guy, yes, he's good at winning faceoffs, but he is not the guy, once that faceoff happens, if he loses it, you're in trouble. He's not the guy to put out there with 30 seconds left on the clock. Maybe if you want to win a faceoff in the neutral zone, yes, but in the defensive zone, that's why the Penguins brought in a guy like Lars Eller, a guy like Nola Chari. Shoot, Drew O'Connor, I, I would make sure that he gets a lot of work in the faceoff dot and use him in some of those situations. Don't use Jeff Carter. Use him in the proper role, and if you do that, you might harken back to the early days of Jeff Carter in Pittsburgh, the nine goals in his first 14 games after the trade deadline, or even the following season, 19 goals and 45 points in 76 games. I don't think he reaches those, but I think he becomes more of that player than the player we saw last season, who still scored 13 goals, who did put up 29 points. But it was similar to a Brian Rust or similar to a Jake Gensel. When you looked at the stat line, you said, man, the eye test still didn't match that. Like 13 goals is not 
blowing you away for a third-line center, but when you watched how he played and you watched how much of a liability he became in certain games, you said, you know what, this guy just doesn't have it anymore. I think with the full offseason, with the ability to bump down into a lesser role, and with the knowledge that he is surrounded by people that can play a defensive mindset and he can just be a winger and focus on going out there and putting the puck in the back of the net. I think that while he's not going to be a 20-goal scorer, while he's not going to be an 18-goal scorer, he can float around 14, 15 goals and hopefully float around 35 to 36 points in 2023. And that would be a huge surprise to me. I think that there's a chance that Jeff Carter is much better than the boat anchor that a lot of people are looking at him as simply because he's not going to be forced into a role or shouldn't be forced into a role based on who is on this roster now, shouldn't be forced into a role that he is not ready for at this stage of his career. Yeah, I thought about saying Jeff Carter too. That's a good answer just because you know, 13 goals and 16 assists, you look at that and go, that's not totally terrible. Well, you know, it's almost 30 points. You realize that did, in a way, lead the bottom six in scoring last year. I think what takes away from that mostly is the fact that he had the team worst plus minus at minus 16. So his defensive attributes clearly weren't there, even if that's what he was mostly getting used for was a defensive game and winning draws. Well, it proved to not be working out phenomenally. Um, and the fact that he went however many games without a goal, or yeah. however that situation went, it was a very inconsistent amount of scoring. If you're able to spread those 30 points over the whole 82, and he played 79 games last season, if you're able to spread those points out, um, it looks a little better, it feels a little better, you're vibing with a little, a little bit more. Whereas you see that he's 30, he was 38, he was struggling in the areas that Mike Sullivan continued to place him in, and the fact that he was locked up. We had no other choice but to play with him. I think the Mm. contract lent a lot of the criticism, and rightfully so. There was no reason why he should have had that uh, deal done the way it was with all of the, you know, locks that are on it. It's just too much for the Penguins to take on, and... But if we go into the season, now 39, we have no other choice but to play him again. Let's say he has to play 79 games again. Uh, we get 30 points out of him. I don't think we're the most angry as long as it's done properly, and that is in a new role and not uh, completely inconsistent. Yeah, and here's another factor that goes into it. This could probably, could potentially, and quite possibly is his last dance. Yeah. It's his last season on this contract and at, what, 39 years old, is he going to get another contract? It's not a guarantee. I think it's actually far from a guarantee. It might be his last season in particular because he has mentioned there's a reason he has a full no-move clause. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He didn't even want to go to Pittsburgh for the longest time. He didn't want to leave L.A. And then he agreed. He said, you know what? I want to go to Pittsburgh. I want to get another opportunity at a cup, yada, this and that, and whatever the next thing is. So there's a very good chance this is his last season of his career. He's going to leave it all out on the line. And at that point, you know, does it become a, you know, he surprises and scores 20 goals? That would be great. Am I expecting that? No. But do I think that he's going to surprise people, that he's going to be better than he was last season? I do think that. 
I know that, you know, it kind of subverts expectations from an aging player that has shown that the aging curve is starting to catch up with him. But I do think that there's a chance that he ends up surprising and looks more like the Jeff Carter that we saw early on in his Penguins tenure and not post-contract extension with Ron Hextall. Yeah, he's he's got some milestones that are kind of on the horizon for him too. At least two in particular. I mean, he's probably he's definitely not going to reach 900 points in his career. Uh, sitting at 836, but 12 yeah, no. 1249 games. He's within striking distance of a good 1300 uh, for in his career, which is a good number. Mm-hmm. He's he's not going to reach 500, but he can reach 450. Uh, sitting at 431, making it 19 away. That's reachable for him. That is. He used to be a really good goal scorer in this league. Um, who knows if he has that ability to do it now. But, I mean, hey, let's say we get that bounce back we want. He had 19 the previous season. Mm-hmm. That's all he needs for a clean 450. So, if he's chasing those down, if he has the haul in his mind one day, you got to hit those at least and really cement some sort of legacy. And you're right. He's going to leave it all out on the line. So, let's, let's ride with him. Let's see what happens. But... Also, Mike Sullivan's got to have a quick leash with him. If he's making the lineup and he's playing poorly, pull him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially because the Penguins have a lot more depth options this season. I wouldn't say that the depth is miles better, but they have more options that are along the same playing level. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, a quick segment of Finish That Statement. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're going to play a little finish that statement here just a few weeks out from Pittsburgh Penguins training camp. Let's start with this one. Blank is the most must-watch Penguins matchup this season. I know the season opener is certainly going to be one to remember. You got Connor Bedard's NHL debut. You got a revenge spot for the Pittsburgh Penguins from the second to last game of the season last year, which in effect knocked the Pittsburgh Penguins out of the playoffs and ended their 17-year streak. But, Horwat, to you, what is the most must-watch Penguins matchup this season? It's going to be an interesting one. I think the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, we, they were, if I'm remembering all this correctly, without looking into the stats specifically, the Penguins went 0-4 against them, but they were all one-goal games. And by 0-4, I think it was 0-2-2. and Let's... Yep. You win one of those games and you're in the postseason because, if everyone remembers, we missed the playoffs by a point. Um, you win one of those games. You win one of those games in overtime. You squeeze yourself in. It's well, That's going to be an important one this year because the Hurricanes uh, keep getting projected to be one of the best teams in the league, I think. you know, Easy choices for cup winners, easy choices for President's Trophy winners. If you're able to topple that sort of team... It should do a lot for your momentum and for your morale as you know going forward, trying to find your way back into the postseason. And you, the Penguins played them close all season. They were they weren't able to get over the hump every time we played against them. It was well, let's try it again this time. Uh, this year, though, I think it's pretty integral for the Penguins to launch themselves over this team finally, especially considering how last season went. Uh, 
You're an improved team, and within the division, no less. Those are team. Those are games you got to win. Mm-hmm. Those are games you have to find the points for. Uh, so I think the uh, four times we play them this year will be important each and every time. Yeah, I had the same exact team. I mean, it's the litmus test for the Metropolitan Division, or the litmus test, I should say it correctly, uh, for the Metropolitan Division. The Carolina Hurricanes are, on paper, the best team in the Metro and quite possibly the best team in the entire Eastern Conference. They're a team that, when you look at them, especially in the regular season, like you mentioned, they are one of the toughest teams to beat. They play fast, they play physical, they can really win in any way uh, that they need to. They can really adapt to the opponent extremely well. And I just think that those matchups last season were oddly, you know, there wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance surrounding them. And there really never is surrounding the Carolina Hurricanes. They kind of fade out of the national picture a lot, despite being one of the better teams every regular season over the past couple of seasons. But I do think that when you look at this matchup, especially heading into this season, there's going to be a lot more of that. It is the Carolina Hurricanes who have proven time and time again to be that top team. And it's the Pittsburgh Penguins who I think are going to get a lot of national attention this year simply because, one, it's the story of Crosby, Malkin, Latang bouncing back from the most unsuccessful season of their entire Hall of Fame careers. And it's the addition of Eric Carlson gunning for a Stanley Cup. And I think that plays into it as well. Eric Carlson versus Brent Burns is a matchup that is going to be played on both broadcasts, any broadcasts, and leading up to that day on NHL Network. And then you have a a lesser important storyline with Eric Tolsky, who was a finalist for the Pittsburgh Penguins general manager job, and Kyle Dubas, who in the end ended up actually getting the job. So, you know, there's a lot of storylines to go into this, and I think they're both teams that are going to get a lot of national intrigue this year. And I just think in general, they're two teams that match up very evenly, even though the Pittsburgh Penguins fell out of the playoffs last year, whereas the Carolina Hurricanes are at the peak of their powers. I think it's going to be a fun matchup this year. It always is and has been. And I think it's a matchup that is going to be very important for the Pittsburgh Penguins to win. It'll be crucial. It'll be crucial. It's just just one of those contests that when you see a question like this of just, who is the most important match of who, what are the must-watch ones, you almost always want to start within the division. It's just the way it is. They're the teams you see the most and have the most opportunity to prove that um, you can be better than. And just mm-hmm. given how last season went, the Penguins need to do just that against the Hurricanes. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins, two wins against the top four teams in the Metropolitan Division last season. Yeah. Not good enough. But... Next question we want to ask here. Jake Gensel will finish blank on the Penguins in goals this season. Where will Jake Gensel rank among Penguins goal scorers despite missing the first couple of games of the season? Despite missing the first couple of games of the season, I'm still going to say first. Uh, He wants to bounce back and have a better season than what he felt he had last year. Uh, He uh, just got rid of the numbers. He finished under 30? No, under 40. Under 40 for the first time in a long time, it felt. Um, but at 36, he led the team last year. Um, still, I, I just see it happening again. Dude's a goal scorer, an elite level talent in the league that gets overlooked consistently, but 
hey, you know what? If he wants a chance to represent Team USA in whatever international tournament uh, is coming up, he needs to start up this season with uh, some bounce back and some goal scoring to prove that he deserves to be there. I mean, he was going to you know, play the IHF World Championships, but I believe that ankle injury probably just held him out as a precaution. Things weren't getting better. We know this, that, the other. Um, I think he still wants an opportunity. If I'm remembering correctly, I don't think he's actually ever represented America. Um, so if he wants that chance, because he has a legitimate chance of putting on the red, white, and blue and whatever tournament's coming up and maybe the Olympics, um, he's got to get back on the horse and have have no more quote-unquote down seasons Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree with you that he's gonna finish first like i I hate the fact that we're agreeing on everything but honestly this is this one is cut and dry he's only missing five games and he is still a guy that has led the pittsburgh penguins in three of the past five seasons the two years that he didn't he trailed Sidney crosby by one in the one season and the other season was 2019-20 where he had 20 goals in 40 games and then he had that shoulder injury against mm-hmm. Calgary in, in overtime. So it's going to be him. Like, this is a guy that had a down season, like you said, and still put up 36. I think he puts up 40 despite missing a handful of games, especially if the Penguins' power play gets to a different dimension with Eric Carlson. I think Jake Gensel is somebody that is really going to benefit from that, especially even if they, especially if they keep him in the front of the net, where there's going to be a lot of rebound opportunities off of Evgeny Malkin one-timers, off of Eric Carlson shots from the point, off of Sidney Crosby shots from the, the half wall and from down low. So I, I do think Jake Gensel gets to around the 40-goal mark again, and, and I don't see anybody else in the Pittsburgh Penguins really getting up to that, that number that Jake Gensel can. He's just... He's in a class of his own when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins and goal scoring. I mean, Sidney Crosby could if he wanted to, but that's just not the player that Sidney Crosby chooses to be at this stage of his career. So uh, I agree that Jake Gensel will probably finish first despite missing the first handful of games. The last one we have here before we go to break, blank and blank. So we have two fill-in-the-blanks in this one. Blank and blank will start the season on the first line with the captain, Sidney Crosby. So we think uh, Ricard Raquel is the easy one. Yep, that's the obvious one on the right side because, I mean, you shouldn't think about starting anybody else up there, right? Shouldn't. We shouldn't, but we know how this goes. We we all had this we all had this shouting match over Dom Simone for a couple seasons, so uh, it he, is here's the thing, Brian Russ is much better than Dom Simone. We all know this, mm-hmm. but I don't think many of us believe uh Brian Russ should be the one sitting alongside Sidney Crosby in this situation. Uh, and as for the left side, how about we go off the wall a little bit and say Alex Nylander, hey, Just to start the year, because like you mentioned, Jake Ensel might only be out for five games. Mm-hmm. Alex Nylander is perfect to slide into that position for a handful of games, get the test in, and see what he can do. Maybe you keep him in the lineup somewhere after that. Maybe you have him as the 13th forward after that. Who knows exactly how the chips fall afterwards, or even how camp goes. But Alex Nylander proved last year that he can play in this league still, um, and he just needs more than, what was it, nine games? He needs more than nine games to work with to prove that uh, he is still worth having around the team. I mean, he was the guy that the Penguins signed when we didn't have a GM. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that should tell a lot more about... You know, also what the team thinks of him. We didn't have a general manager or a president set in the front office 
and the Penguins wanted him resigned. They wanted to handle mm-hmm. that one quickly. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's exactly where he starts, right on the first line. Maybe he stays there longer. Who knows exactly how long how this whole season plays out. But it'll be worth it for the team to start him alongside Crosby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't hate that. I, I do think the first thing that comes to mind is Riley Smith still, because for the longest time, I've said, you know, why start Riley Smith there if it's only a handful of games? Get him started with Malkin because that's where he's going to play anyway and they need to build that chemistry. I still think there's probably a 60% chance that Riley Smith ends up being on the first line just simply because you want your best players at the top of the lineup. I think there's a good chance that Riley Smith, because he's going to end up playing with both Crosby and Malkin anyway, and you might as well give him that opportunity with Crosby to see how it works in case you need to go to it later in the season. Cause again, you already know how Jake Gensel works with Sidney Crosby. So uh, I could see that happening, but I do think that there is an outside chance that Andreas Janssen earns that spot. I really like that addition. I, I do. I, I think it's underrated that they brought him in. He had a couple of bad seasons with the New Jersey devils. It never really worked. You saw him go and get traded to San Jose, and he he played a couple of games there as well, but in an actual new home in Pittsburgh now, I think he has an opportunity with some familiar faces in the organization to go out and really recapture what he was in Toronto, and if he can do that in training camp, there's opportunity for him on the main roster, and I do think that you know, there's a good chance that he is the type of guy that would succeed really well with Sidney Crosby. So if he plays well in camp, I do see there being a chance that uh, Andreas Janssen earns that spot next to Sidney Crosby and Ricard Raquel. Yeah, he's a guy that's looking for a huge bounce back, too. It's mm-hmm. We all know what he did with Toronto. It was impressive stuff. 43 points in 73 games in just his second season in the NHL. First full season in the NHL, I should say. He received a Calder vote or two. That's fun. Um and even in his uh, second season in New Jersey, playing at 71, putting up 35, you don't hate that. You know he can produce in the NHL. you got to give him the right you know, line mates to play with, the right situations to be in. Um, but Andreas Jans is a great option, too, and I know you've been banging his drum all offseason. So yeah. I'm interested to see what he can do. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of depth forwards to wade through. Um, mm-hmm. but I also, but I still do love the idea of someone unexpected taking up the spot next to Sidney Crosby to start the year, like a, like an Andreas Janssen, like an Alex Nylander, who knows, maybe a prospect gets some time up there. It really depends on how, um, camp plays out. I don't think you want to filter through a bunch of players in camp though, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see who they go with. Um, and so far anyone sounds good. Yeah, we know Jake Gensel will miss time, but there's a chance that he does get out on the ice a little bit in, in training camp. I don't think that he's probably going to be taking line rushes. I don't think that he's going to be in any of the any of the scrimmages. But you know, you will probably see him based on where his progression is at. You'll probably see him out on the ice at Penguins training camp. It might be before practice by himself for the first couple of weeks. But you know, Jake Gensel is to this point in week what six. Of his recovery, uh, uh, and it was 12 weeks before they had to re- readjust so or reevaluate. So uh, we'll see where Jake Gensel is at. But again, you're trying to get ready for the beginning of the season. And I do think that there's going to be a handful of names that get that opportunity. I think you, you'll see a little bit of Riley Smith working with Sidney Crosby. And I think you'll see maybe two or three other guys get 
time with Sidney Crosby in, in training camp. Now, whether or not they're getting significant time or significant time in scrimmages or in preseason, that's what remains to be determined. But I, I do think that there's a chance that you see a couple of guys get that shot at at least seeing what they look like uh, with 87. And you know what the great part of this is? Can you name one person that you wouldn't want to see in this position right now? Jeff Carter. Well, aside, aside from the obvious, like, yeah. but because hey, that you was, said name one person, I named one person. Yeah, but he, his position in the lineup is pretty set. Because that was one of the things with Dom Simone. It was there was always the one player you didn't want to see alongside Sidney Crosby for some reason, and it was Dom Simone. Nothing against him, but it's just the way it was. We wanted someone better to play alongside uh, the captain. Whereas this season, I mean, maybe Redeem Zahorna? It's like the only person I can think of as I look up and down the uh, forward rosters, both yeah. you know on the non-roster and on the NHL roster, who I go, maybe he shouldn't. I mean, obviously you say Jeff Carter, yes, but the guys yeah. that are fight that could actually potentially take that role, maybe Redeem Zahorna is the only guy that we wouldn't want to see there. Whereas, like I said, yeah. Alex Nyland would be a good option. Riley Smith is great. Uh, Rem Pitlick even could do something there. That'd be fun, yeah. interesting. Who knows? Um, who who else did you? Andreas Janssen, Vinny Henderson, maybe. Who knows? Maybe that's yeah. the one you kind of go no. Yeah. But there aren't too many options where you look at and just go, please, not that one. Which is a good problem to have for this training camp. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be one of the main threads to pull, and I, I, I on training camp is like who's with Crosby, mm-hmm. who's next to Crosby, and even. With it being potentially like Brian Rust. Like, Brian Rust has played the left side before. So maybe you do Rust, Crosby, Raquel, and you do Riley Smith, Evgeny Malkin, and Alex Nylander. Maybe that's what the Pittsburgh Penguins try to do uh, to start the season because Nylander had that time with with Evgeny Malkin late last season. So who knows what they're going to do, but I do think that you see Ricard Raquel up there. I think that much is a given. And I do think that they're going to hold, you know, an open competition for some of these guys. Now, they might have some guys drop out quickly. I'm not as big on Redeem Zahorn as a lot of people are. I, I, I really don't see him making any impact at the NHL level. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. That That's what training camp is for. That's what the season is for. And that's why we're sitting here on September 5th and we haven't watched real hockey in three months. So you never know how these guys have progressed or how these guys have, have really changed since the last time we've seen them. I didn't watch really any Redeem Zahorna last season so how has he changed from his time in Calgary and then he went somewhere else after that I believe I don't know he didn't stick in Calgary I'll tell you that Toronto uh that's that's right so we'll see how did that change him since he was in training camp with the Penguins last season three teams in one year I don't see that turning into a a significant playmaker on on your NHL roster but we're going to take a quick break when we return the NHL and the Pittsburgh Penguins have changed up their broadcasting. We'll talk about that after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsidePenguins.com. We've talked a lot about the Pittsburgh Penguins trying to cover every single angle. The one thing we haven't discussed yet is the changes being made surrounding the Penguins' television broadcast. Obviously, we heard news that the Penguins and ownership Fenway Sports Group bought the RSN, AT&T Sportsnet, and officially rebranded it 
to Sportsnet Pittsburgh. Along with that, they cut ties with longtime broadcasters of the team, Steve Mears and Bob Airy. Airy much longer uh, than Mearsy. Airy had been with the Pittsburgh Penguins in a broadcast capacity over the past 18 seasons. First four were on radio alongside Paul Steigerwald. Then he moved to television with Paul Steigerwald and then was there for 14 seasons, of course. You know, Airy was somebody that Penguins fans, a lot of them love to joke about. A lot of them love to poke fun at. But, I mean, the guy never wavered in his enthusiasm for the sport, his enthusiasm for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and his enthusiasm for for his job. And I, I think there's something to be said about that. Now, yes... There's a lot of disagreements that people had or people didn't like watching him on the broadcast. And the Penguins broadcast team was ranked pretty low. I don't remember who did the rankings, but they were ranked fairly low in a couple of those athletic polls. But, I mean, these guys lost their jobs. That's the one thing I, I kind of didn't like to see on Friday. You know, people can joke about, oh, you know, this and that. But people celebrating these guys losing their jobs, that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I do think that there needs to be a level of respect for a guy in Bob Airy that did it for 18 seasons and did it pretty darn well. Was he the best in the league? No, I won't say that. But uh, did he do a good job? Yes. And was he always enthusiastic about the Pittsburgh Penguins? Was he always excited about what he was doing? Yes. He, he never really took a day off. So, you know, I did want to give uh, some credit where credit is due to Bob Airy. And, of course, we'll talk about Mirzi in a second. But before we do that, um, anything that you wanted to mention on, on Bob Airy? Of course, it's, you know, it's not fun watching people lose their job. That is really what it is. I mean, we don't know what their contract looks like looked like. We don't know how any of that worked out. But um, it was made pretty well clear that it seemed like they were just let go of their jobs. And I, did, I forgot that Bob Airy had been around for that long. Yeah, uh, 18 years is a damn long time. Yeah, maybe some of the takes were getting a little older. That's just what happens whenever the game changes in front of you. Obviously, he comes from uh, that older mindset. But so what? That's fine. That's what a lot of um, these color commentators do these days. You're right, though. He never wavered from his love for the team, love for the sport. He's a fun guy to be around uh, and just a good character. I'm sure he's a great guy, and, you know, sometimes things just need to change. I had felt like during the season that, you know, maybe it was time to get a new color commentator in there. We'll talk about Mears in a minute. But they kept pushing Colby Armstrong into the position a little bit. I thought he'd be a good, uh, not replacement, but a good next man up for that role. Uh, we'll see where things go from there. But, yeah, Bob Airy, I forgot it, I forgot it had been that long, and big part of the voices of the Penguins as well. Yeah, uh, and then with Mirzi, I mean, the, he's a Pittsburgh kid. Mm -hmm. He came back to Pittsburgh. He started in Pittsburgh, and then he came back to Pittsburgh after years with NHL Network, you know, in 2017 to take over as the voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, Paul Steigerwald had been in that role for over a decade. Mm -hmm. uh, and Paul Steigerwald's not an easy guy to follow up. I, we, we understand that, you know, he's not Mike Lang because there's nobody like Mike Lang and Paul Steigerwald had the difficult position of trying to follow up Mike Lang while Mike Lang was still good enough to do the job but following up the guy that did that you know and Paul Steigerwald became you know beloved in Pittsburgh for the way that he would call the Pittsburgh Penguins game so to follow that up is is no easy task and Steve Mears you know his deep appreciation for the Penguins fans as well um was definitely something you could tell from the very beginning. I mean, he had uh, 
a program that I became a part of, the Future Voices of the Broadcast Booth, where he brought up young broadcasters, showed them, you know, what his day was like on a game day, where his area was like, how he prepared, the best way to get into the broadcasting game. So he's somebody that really gave back a lot, even though he'd only been here for six years. And he's somebody that I know it meant a lot to him. I mean, for a lot of the people growing up in Western Pennsylvania, that's their dream job is to be the the play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it was the same for Steve Mears. So, you know, I'm sure Friday was a tough day for him. I'm sure it's still tough for Steve Mears, but you know, he did a good job over the first six years. He, again, same thing as Ari. He might not be the best in the league. He not might not be the best in the game, but, you know, he's pretty darn good at what he does. And a lot of people that, you know, talk down on, on the job that he did are people that I know can't do the job. So, like, you haven't done it a day in your life. You don't understand how hard that actually is, um, it, you know. But people are going to be like that. But, again, you know. All the best to Steve Mears. Hopefully he lands on his feet. I do think he will land on his feet. Um, I think NHL Network would take him back in a second. So hopefully uh, Steve Mears is able to find something. But again, same thing as Bob Airy. You know, you hate to see somebody lose their position. But these two guys, both consummate professionals and both had such a deep adoration uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins and for the job that they were doing. So you can't take anything. You can't take that away from them. That's for sure. No, you can't. It's they are. Two of the they were two of the best. Like I think Steve Mears was one of the best in the league. People may not have liked it, so be it. I thought he was great. Um, for what it's worth, I mean, this is just stuff that I've seen around Twitter through the other uh, reporters. I think the Penguins want to keep him around at some capacity. Don't know exactly what's going on with Bob Barry. Um, if it is any bonus, Dan Potash will still be there. Yep, that's awesome. They that's fun. Dan Potash is a great person, great talent. Um, I mean, as for Steve Mears, who knows exactly what the future holds, who knows exactly what the future holds for Bob Barry. Both great guys. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what's next. And, I mean, who knows exactly what happens with the radio guys, too. I know that's a different situation, but, I mean, Getzoff could be perfectly lined up for the next TV job. I think he's another fun guy to be around in the, you know, as a work in the working aspect and... Phil Bork's a ton of fun. Put him <laughs> on TV. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a broadcast team that's beloved in Pittsburgh. I mean, gets off and Bork, and they do a tr- tremendous job as well. So I would not be surprised in the least if they get a crack at the job. But um, with Mears, you mentioned that they would keep him around. I mean, that would be great. Obviously, Steve Mears, big fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I feel like somebody like that should try to get a job in the booth, man. Like, that's where he that's that's where he belongs. It's what he loves to do. So I know that that's what, what I would be like. Like, yes, I love the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, yes, that was my dream job if I was in that position. But, you know, at that point, you want to get back in the booth any way you can. So and I would think that there would be opportunities out there for him as well. So I would assume so, yeah. I mean, because the Penguins weren't the only team going through this sort of change, also. I think, well, I, yeah, there's a lot of regional sports networks that are going to have to figure their crap out. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's been a couple months of not anything happening. So it's it's interesting the Penguins figured it out right before the season. Yeah, the the Penguins got theirs organized. I think having Fenway and NESN in the back pocket helped a bunch. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Pirates fans, we don't know what is going on there. You get AT&T Sportsnet until October 2nd, and then everything switches over. MLB is probably going to step in and take the Bucko stuff. Yeah, um, either that or but, force uh, Bob Nutting to actually open his wallet. No, <laughs> but <laughs> aside from that, though, it's 
obviously this isn't just a Pittsburgh problem. This is this cropped up, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit before the baseball season started. Yep. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that I mean MLB stepped in and did their work, so that's kind of why all these broadcasts are still able to go on. But I haven't been paying attention to what's been going on in hockey. I don't think Columbus has one right now. If I'm if I saw things properly, I might be totally wrong on that. Uh, things I, that's just things I need to look into though. Um, but this isn't just a Pittsburgh issue. I mean, we were just lucky enough that it got solved and resolved right away. Yeah. And uh, it'll be important to watch. It will be important for many of you to keep an eye on what's going on for the rest of the league and those broadcasts because um, this is the way everyone in the country and Canada, for what it's worth, gets their, gets their fill in. Hockey still isn't at its level at the level that like the nfl is at or even mlb is at where they have consistent national play that they can just throw everything on a national screen and call it and make it easy no yeah the regional broadcast is what drives so much of the nhl viewership so it may not be huge but it's still something to keep an eye on and important as hell for every nhl team to have a proper and a very solid broadcast and a broadcast team yeah, I I know the other teams that off the top of my head that have AT and T Sports is Vegas, uh, Seattle Kraken, and I yeah. believe also Colorado. Um, they're either that or Bally Sports. I, I think I, they were Bally, but yeah, I know Colorado might be, but Arizona is also Bally. But didn't Bally Sports also have the same issue? They were part of it. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes very 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 interesting um something to, to keep an eye on for sure and, and this definitely for the penguins perspective of this you know gets off and bork would be a tremendous duo to put in there i'm not exactly sure who would replace them in the radio landscape but again like you mentioned colby armstrong was between the benches for a lot of hand, home games last season he might be primed for that position as the color analyst for the Pittsburgh Penguins, or maybe they go to the traditional national style where it's a three-team broadcast, which I, I know they have Potash, who's kind of more of a, a, a host in an interview, but you know maybe they go to that where they have somebody between the benches, Potash, and then color and play-by-play. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, they're going to have to figure it all out in the next month or so because they're going to have broadcasts in the next month or so. So uh, we will see how that plays out. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. 